The statistics are alarming. 23.5 million Americans are addicted to alcohol and drugs. Today's guest is not a stranger to the addiction epidemic. She has lived through the experience of watching her child walk the path of an addict. Mary Frampon Tempo is an award-winning two-time TEDx speaker, author, humorist, and podcast host who teaches audiences to uncover their brilliance and resilience 15 minutes at a time. A sought-after presenter for corporate and association events, Mary Fran is author of The 15-Minute Master and The Woman's Book of Dirty Words and co-founder of the podcast Four Chicks Chatting. Mary Fran proves small changes can create life-altering transformations, allowing individuals to be positive and successful in a rapidly changing world. A Huffington Post, Thrive Global contributor, and columnist for numerous websites, Mary Fran created a life-affirming brand of wisdom and wit after meeting the challenge of her son's heroin addiction. A frequent media guest and speaker, audiences of all ages delight in her empowering and entertaining message. I am so excited to share Mary Fran's journey with you. It's not one that's uncommon these days, but it's certainly one that is extraordinary in how she handled the situation and chose to use her experience to help others. Hello friends, welcome to the second phase podcast. I'm Robin Graham, your host, and a brand marketing strategist and photographer, passionate about helping women connect and grow their audience and get more clients. I am so excited you are here with me today to chat all about branding, personal development, and life overall in this second phase. What is the second phase? The second phase for me was a change in careers and learning how to navigate a new world and build the business from the ground up when I was actually terrified to put myself out into the world as something new. For some, the second phase is a significant lifestyle change, a traumatic loss, a move, an illness, it could be any number of things. No matter the definition of your second phase, we are here together to learn about creating a brand that stands out and makes an impact and grow as our authentic selves and follow our callings, our passions, our visions, and our values. Now grab your cup of coffee or the dog's leash and let's dive into a new episode. Are you a businesswoman or entrepreneur who is transitioning into something new, into the second phase? Are you trying to figure out how to create an audience, how to grow a presence online, but you are stuck on the tech and the how-to? You have no idea how to attract new clients into this business. Don't worry. I am going to give you the exact blueprint on how to connect and grow your audience and attract more clients. During this brand marketing strategy call, we are going to go through the six pillars of success for your brand. This includes, but is not limited to, online marketing, storytelling, relationship building, differentiation, visual branding, and genuine networking. Sit with me for an hour and let's transform your brand strategy. Or do you learn better in a group environment? Join me along with five other women just like you and collaborate and mastermind together in one of my popular mini brand mastermind sessions. In two one-hour sessions, each one of you will get 15 minutes with, my, with me personally, along with a learning opportunity with each of your peers. We will go through each of the six pillars of brand marketing success, and I will help you strategize in all of the areas mentioned before. 
The next mini mastermind session starts May 6th. Here's what a mini mastermind looks like. We will meet for two one-hour sessions. Three of you will go each week. I will personally guide you through high-level brand marketing strategies. I will then open up at the end of each session, 15 minutes for Q&A. And you will also have access to the private Facebook group to ask me questions at any time. In the Facebook group, you'll also have opportunities to network, to grow your referral source, and have accountability partnerships. This can be a great option for those of you who want to save money, but have the desire to elevate your brand. To learn more about either program, visit my website. You can find the brand strategy sessions at www.robingrahamphotography.com slash brand hyphen marketing hyphen strategy hyphen session or go to shop on my website. That's www.robingrahamphotography forward slash shop. And there you will find the mini mastermind sessions and you can register. I look forward to working with you. Hi, Mary Fran. Welcome to the second phase podcast. I am so happy to be here with one of my favorite people. Yay! <laughs> I'm so proud of you for this whole venture, especially considering what I know about you personally from the last couple of years and how this was a, a goal of yours and, um, and yet something you were terrified of doing, at least initially. And now look at you. I'm so proud of you. Thank you. It's um, definitely a labor of love. I'm really excited about it. And um as you know, I had to really squash a lot of fear to put myself out into the world. So it's a big deal for me. It is a big deal. And, and you're, you're killing it. So way to go. You're doing, <laughs> doing so well. And, I, you know, I think the other side of it is you're, you're providing a real service for those of us who are at this point in sort of a second act where we, you know, well, should I try something? And the answer is unequivocally, yes. Try it. 100%. Yeah. yeah. Because you never know, right? You don't know if you don't try. You don't know. So yeah. go for it. Yeah. Well, I'm thrilled to have you here and I can't wait to share your story with the audience. Now, listeners, for a little bit of background, Mary Fran is a dear friend of mine. We are co-hosts on Four Chicks Chatting Podcast. We really started together in a mastermind three years ago where we were completely clueless and trying to build out our businesses. And we have been um, stepladders, I guess, for each other throughout the course of time, really encouraging each other, holding each other accountable and things like that. So I know her story and I'm so proud of her and the things that she has done with what has happened with her in her life. So I'm really excited to share that with you. So Mary Fran, to start your first phase, you were a mom, a wife, maybe a wife first, then a mom, a teacher. <laughs> um, you worked with the family recruiting business. Everything was great. You had a wonderful life with three children. And then all of a sudden the rug was pulled out from underneath of you. Can you tell us a little bit about what happened? Yeah. Um, so I, I did live that life. I, I was, um, I was writing, I was doing, um, newspaper columns for smaller local papers and, and things were going along. So I was starting on that path of mine. Cause it's always been a, a love of mine was writing, but I wasn't doing anything really major in that, in that world. Um, and kind of thought, okay, the kids are almost launched. So we're all, you know, it's all good. 
Um, and then I learned on Mother's Day of 2010 that my son was a heroin addict. So, and let me say, let me say I learned it definitively, but I had suspected for a long time that I knew for a long time David was having problems. I knew he was having problems with alcohol. Um, and that was a, a huge concern. Um, but, you know, he was also an adult at the time. He was living here. But you're in, when you have adult children who are having these issues, it's a really strange position to be in because you kind of, your hands are somewhat tied. I mean, they're living with you. So you can, it, it it's just a world that, you know, it, that you don't, kids don't come with a playbook. So in the best of circumstances, you're kind of flying by the seat of your pants. But then when stuff like this happens, and especially if you've had no, direct experience in that world. And I was like Marsha Brady growing up. I always say like, that was my, I never did anything. I didn't even try cigarettes, let alone anything, you know, stronger. So I had zero frame of reference in this world. And David overdosed on a pain medication um, on Mother's Day of 2010. He did not overdose on heroin, thank God. He, he couldn't get it that day. But that just started us on this journey where everything that you think you know about who you were, who you are, where you've been, where you're going, what you've done, everything just changes in that moment. So it was, it was really devastating on pretty much every life level. Mm -hmm. And I, you said something and it, you kind of knew, I mean, you knew he had a problem with alcohol, but at, and the fact that he was a grown child and the fact that you felt like your hands were kind of tied. So I think there's a lot to be said there when you're, when you're a parent and trying to navigate situations like this, because you're right, we don't have a playbook and, you know, God blesses with these, blesses us with these amazing kids, but then what are we supposed to do with them? Like I was <laughs> clueless, you know, when I became a mom and it's one of those things, but so denial was one of the emotions that you had oh, for sure. sure. And for then feeling, feeling like your hands are tied. And I think it's really important for listeners to understand that these are common emotions, but at some point you have to actually face those. And for you, the, the ultimate time to face those was when it was almost too late mm -hmm. because he overdosed. Yeah. Yes, so if that, that's exactly right. And you said a word that um, now when I speak to people, I talk about this all of the time. It's that I always say the two best companions, and I'm not saying friends because they are not friends of crisis are denial and distraction. Because what ends up happening, um, especially in that world, usually what happens is an addict will they'll get high, there'll be a couple of days where they're just a train wreck and you're right at that brink where you're like, I can't do this anymore, we have to do something. And it's almost like they know that that's coming because then they pull back. Then all of a sudden it's apologies and I'm really sorry, um, I'm, I know what I'm doing now, everything's gonna be fine. So then you buy into that because the truth is too hard to buy into. So you deny it. It's not going to get better, but they tell you it is, and they're your child, and you want to believe them. And then you deny what's in front of your face, and then you distract yourself and go, okay, okay, he's okay. Now I'm going to look at this over here, whatever this is. Um, so my advice to people now is if you feel in your gut that something's wrong, it is, and don't wait because I got lucky. I mean, we're lucky that David is here. We're blessed. I could be telling a very different story. 
Yeah. And that's so important. And as you were speaking, I was making a note as to, you know, what advice would you give someone that does suspect this? And you answered the question already because it's so critical. It really is. I mean, you know, we, we talk about instinct and intuition and, you know, the blessing of our minds is that we can think outside of that and not completely be guided by it. But the curse of our minds is that we very often overrule those instincts and feelings which we need to be paying attention to. If you think that something is wrong in your house with your child, it is. It is. Don't, yeah. you know, don't wait. And I mean, you know, well, then people say, well, what do I do? You know, find something, Google it, find an agency, find a source, talk to your family doctor, start talking, start talking. Mm -hmm. Do not keep this to yourself because you are in way over your head and you're not going to be able to handle it yourself. You need outside help and there's no shame in asking for it. And the alternative, again, it was almost too late for us. The alternative is worse. Yeah. And there's not much shame in this anymore because everybody's affected by it. There's nobody mm -hmm. that doesn't know someone who is affected by this. Well, and you said a couple of things that, um, and one is there should be no shame with this. If you, you know, you've done your best, the best to your ability as a parent, your child has made a decision or your child has been influenced by out, outside sources or has a genetic disposition for this. So it's not something you should be ashamed of, but take that action to get the help before it's too late. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, Back when I was dealing with this, I mean, thank God, I'll, I'll jump to the end of the story, which is a, a wonderful ending. David's been clean and sober for eight years, and he works in the recovery field right now. But back when I was dealing with this, it was not as open, and it was not as um, readily discussed. So there is an element um, of, of shame. And I... You know, I, I felt that, but I kind of felt it somewhat briefly, because I quickly came to the realization that unless you model this behavior for your kid, unless you're, you know, shooting up drugs or sharing a joint with them or whatever, the odds are you didn't, you didn't cause this. And in fact, they say that in the, in the addiction community all the time. It's the three C's. You didn't cause it, you can't control it, and you're not going to cure it. So all of that is designed to get people talking about it and recognizing that this is nothing to be ashamed of. And, you know, this class of drugs that are getting these kids hooked are so potently addictive. And that didn't, that didn't exist years and years ago. You know, these kids try these drugs, these, the oxycodone, they try it two times and they're mm -hmm. hooked. Like this is not something that builds up over time. This is so immediate. So you really need to reach out to people and get help because you aren't going to fix this yourself. Yeah, that's such a good point. I'm so glad you said that. And I, I'm glad that you also are directing people to talk openly about it, but to, to get the information because now it is available. And mm -hmm. like you said, there is someone in your life that has been exposed to this previously. And so they are going to be a resource for you. Yes. Okay. Yeah, so exactly. I would love for you to talk a little bit, and I know there was a period of darkness when you first found out. I mean, it was it was overwhelm, darkness, um, and I would imagine it's just like you know death, where you go through the process of of anger, sadness, and then finally acceptance. But um, can you talk a little bit about that, and then 
I'd like to have that kind of segue us into your 15 minute master and how that came about. Yeah, so I mean, of course, as I said, the whole denial part of the process is it's it was leading up to that moment when he overdosed. And then, you know, then you have that brief denial because but it's an oh my God denial. It's oh no, oh no, not me, not me. But you know, right away, you can't live in that space at all because you have to take action. So um, we did get him into treatment and it's funny because every person, and I do speak to a lot of families who are dealing with this, every person who has their kid go into treatment, the, the immediate first reaction is relief because you, first of all, you can sleep for the first time in, could be months, years, whatever. Many of these people say, I slept that night because you know that your child is safe, which is always a concern in that world. And you know they're with people who have a clue because you don't. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's, it's, it's, it's a relief. And, and, and I hate to say this, but it's, it's, it is the truth. You're so relieved to have them out of your house because living with an addict is just, it's living in an asylum and the crazy people are in charge, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, I mean, we all have a little crazy in us, but that takes it to a whole other level. So, you know, there's that relief too. And um, it is a dark time, but getting treatment is the beginning of walking towards the light. And, and it, it's, it's that way for the, the loved ones and the family members as well as it is for the, for the addict. So, um, you know, it's funny, you, you talked about the 15 minute master and the, the segue into that is in the midst of all this, people would say to us, oh, you just have to take it one day at a time. And I, my husband, had, we'd look at each other and be like, well, you don't live with an addict. Clearly dark humor was a big part of any kind of lightness that we had in our lives at that point. But um, you don't take it one day at a time with an addict. You don't take it a half a day or an hour. I always say we were down to 15 minutes. So we started to live life in 15-minute increments. You can do anything in, 15, in a 15-minute period. You can get through anything in a 15-minute time period. And when you have an unfraught 15-minute time period, you can use that to come up with a step, one step that you can take to move things forward. So that was how we lived and that system evolved naturally. And then I put it into a book, The 15-Minute Master, because I found that not only did it help me in crisis, but it was a really good method beyond that for just you know, a daily plan. All right, let's take 15 minutes and see how we can move something forward one action step at a time. Yeah, I love it. And you are now speaking on the 15 minute master as well. And you have a workshop that's available, right? Yes. I always say I'm an accidental motivational speaker <laughs> because <laughs> none of this was part of the plan. <laughs> yeah. But isn't it great though? I mean, yeah. it's, you're, you're killing it and you're able to touch so many more lives because not only have you published a book, but now they're, they're seeing you face to face and that emotional connection that really, I think builds, you know, the trust factor that you are, you're an expert because you went through this already and you've done this and you've made it work for you. So it's obvious it could work for anybody. Yeah, for sure. And I think anytime that you take your 
personal pain and you uh, not exploit it certainly but you share it with other people in an effort to lift them and help them up and just say look you know i've had really awful stuff too it it's a it builds like you said that trust and that authenticity and it builds connection which is really what every transaction in life everything is based on connection and it's you know if you have that connection with someone if you have a need and and but then beyond if you have you're having a need it's do i trust this person do i want this person in my world so you know in sharing that um it 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 does build it does build that and um and again when you come out of these crises uh and Kristen Smedley you know our our mutual friend and I we we talk about resilience and brilliance when you come out of these crises if you look back at them you will realize that you have found or uncovered a skill set that you can take beyond that into life beyond crisis so it's all about Yes, you get through that terrible moment, you, you reach out to other people, and then you, you know, hopefully, and everything passes, so you will come out of it in some way, but what you've learned beyond that, it's just so important to recognize that this is not something to put in a box. This is something to incorporate moving forward. What were your strengths there? Use mm -hmm. them moving forward. So that's kind of how I approach it now when I talk about it. And your workshops, do they actually have, um, I guess, for lack of a better word, but like hands-on where the people are actually, you know, writing things down and, and actually walking through steps of how they can use the 15-minute master? Yes. Yeah. Well, the system, the system is very simple. 15 minutes, three main questions, one action step. So any issue that anyone is, is feeling, we first of all, we strip it away and say, is this real? Because, you know, very often we can get involved in kind of, I don't want to say necessarily fabricating, but let's say embellishing things. You know, sometimes when your mind spins, it's the, well, what if this happens? Well, what if that happens? Well, what if nothing happens and what's the real problem? So you break it down to that, you figure out what the actual problem is, and then you ask yourself these three basic questions, which of course all have, you know, kind of legs that go out, out in places. So the first one is, what can you do about this? And when I say that, I'm not saying what do you want to do in your fantasy world? What you want the outcome to be is always going to be the main goal, but it's not what you want. It's what are your resources? What is the amount of time? What is your knowledge set? What is your skill set? Who do you know that can help you with this? So really, what can you actually do to affect the problem? Then the next question is what should you do? Should you act or shouldn't you? Because sometimes just because you can do something doesn't mean that you should. So, you know, is this your business? Is this something that's going to be a, a solid use of your time? And then the final question is, well, what are you going to do about that? And that can often be influenced by, is there a need for courage here? Do you need to move through this bravely and assertively? Um, do you do nothing and let it evolve and see what happens next? Or is this something where you need to just take a step back and maybe let somebody else go into it? So there are very real definitive steps where people can work through the process in a workshop when they have an issue that they're trying to come to some sort of movement on. I love what you just said. As It's, it's almost like you, you're telling them, if you can't solve the problem, 
call in the expert because we all know whether it's life or business, there are things that we are not an expert at and we need help. So don't be afraid to ask for that help if you need it, but identify first that you need it. Oh my gosh. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I often go back to when I was in Catholic school and the, the nuns, I mean, like hundred million years ago, and the nuns would make us try to work on our weaknesses. Like, no, I don't want to work on my weaknesses. <laughs> I want to work on my strengths. But when you recognize that you don't have a strength in a certain area and you reach out to someone who does, that's another thing that you and I talk about a lot. Like you need to build your village and your tribe. Nobody gets through this on their own. And when you are in a situation where you need expert help, go for it. I mean, who doesn't want to be seen as an expert and who's not willing to share their expertise with others when called upon? So it's a perfect opportunity to build your village and ask for help. Yeah, that's very important. And you you kind of alluded to this before, and I know you and I have had this conversation many times that you can definitely grow through what you go through. But beyond that, it's when we're given these life experiences, it's not like God's trying to punish us. He's, he's giving us this experience to then go out and serve other people and help other people. And I love that you took this experience with David and you didn't just keep it under your hat. You were open, you were honest, and you're sharing it so that other people can know how to get the help they need or find the resources that they that they need to be able to get through any of these situations. But it wasn't always easy for you to do that. Like there was a time where, and, and you use the word surrender a lot. So I'd like to bring that in here because I think that it took surrendering for you to be able to move forward and see this as an experience that you could then use to help other people. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think when you, and I make an important distinction, when I say surrender, I say, I don't mean give up. I mean, give it up, give whatever that challenge or that circumstance um, or that crisis is over to your higher power or to the universe or to your tribe or to your village and, and get the help you need. But I also want to let people know that it's okay to be gentle with yourself and allow yourself time to process this because these things are traumatic. And I mean, and no one should be expected to, you know, oh, okay, well, that's over now. They're out of treatment. No, yeah, but there's post traumatic stress from all this stuff. I mean, it takes a long time to get over that feeling that when your child who was suffering from addiction, when they're not home and the phone rings later than usual, that you're not like gasping and, and, and holding your breath and, and hoping that it's not terrible news. Um, and you know, you, there's a, there's, it takes a long time to look at them when they walk in the door to not immediately be looking at their eyes and to see if there's, you know, to see if they're bloodshot or, or whatever. So, you know, I want people to understand that it's okay. You don't, you don't have to hold on to this and suddenly make it your marching, you know, your, your, your mission in life to share this stuff. Um, you can, and I do it because I don't look like what people think or thought years ago, the mother of an addict would look like. I don't look like that. I look like anybody that anybody would see on the street anywhere, you know, a suburban mom person who's, you know, marginally successful or whatever. Um, so I talk about it so people will understand that this can happen to anybody and you don't have to hide it. 
Um, but again, be gentle with yourself and, and take the time you need to heal from this because it is a trauma. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think it's important to realize it doesn't, it doesn't end just because they got help and they're in recovery. There's right. still a lot of emotions and, and trust has been broken and that all has to be rebuilt. And that's not an easy thing. And, you know, you have to be able to forgive. You're never for, going to forget, but there are so many steps that have to be worked through once they're home. That's so true because it, it really is the destruction of whatever relationship you built with them prior to all of this. So all of that has to be rebuilt and it takes a lot of give and take on both sides. You know, you have to get to a point where you can start to trust them a little bit, but the, the addict also has to understand that they created this and, you know, you're not, not trusting them because that's where you want to be. You're not trusting them because they gave you reason to not mm -hmm. trust them. So, um, you know, it, it really is a process. And again, I think you have to be gentle with yourself and don't stop reaching out to the experts just because they're home and they're out of treatment. This is a, this is a process and it's a rebuilding of their, their lives and it's a rebuilding of your life with them together. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, there has to be grace all around it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Are you looking for unique gifts for the special women in your life? Moms, sisters, friends? The second phase Etsy shop was created with gift giving in mind. Visit the shop to purchase beautiful note cards for every occasion that after your special someone reads the personal note from you, they can put the card in a simple frame to display in their home. A gift that keeps on giving. The second phase features my original art photography that I personally selected for you. Another great gift idea is a journal. These journals are beautifully crafted with sturdy covers with my fine art images on them. We created the pages lined on one side and blank on the other for those who like to doodle, write in free form, or draw as part of their journaling practice. At the second phase, we believe in creativity as a tool for living a purposeful and meaningful life and want to share our creations with you. Our products are great for teacher gifts, Mother's Day gifts, birthday gifts, and just little happy gifts and inspiration. Are you feeling extravagant and want to treat yourself to some art? Check out our beautiful line of fine art prints. They help any room in your home feel special. To access the Etsy shop, Visit my website, www.robingrahamphotography.com forward slash shop. Or you can go straight to Etsy and just search the second phase. But keep in mind, there are no spaces. The second phase is all together. We hope you enjoy the shop and all of the products we've created, especially for you. So out of that came your first two books, which were not ready for granny panties and mm -hmm. then the dirty words for women. Right. So I, I want to know what your favorite dirty word is. You know, it's really funny. I, um, gosh, there are so many. Um, I would have to say, I kind of have two. I mean, the word, the word relax really 
I hook into that now because it's often used as sort of like a, a weapon <laughs> against against women in particular, because, you know, we're in charge of everything, but people bristle at us being in charge of everything and they don't want to be told what to do. And yet if things fall through the cracks, it falls on us. But very often, you know, when you're saying something to someone like this has to be done or taken care of, somebody will lob, relax, say, oh, just relax. And it doesn't mean relax. It means shut up and leave me alone. So (laughs) I have decided that I am now going to embrace that word. And if I'm told to relax, I'm going to do exactly that. I'm just going to turn other people's stuff over to them and go, fine. Okay. I'm out. You handle this and then see how, you know, then see how it goes. Um, So that's a big one for me. Uh, And the word change is, is a big one for me too, because I think in my younger days, and I think this is very common when you're a young mother and you're so responsible for things that you know nothing about, like raising humans, um, you, you really are afraid of change because you finally get like this structure in place and you're like, okay, I don't want this house of cards to fall because it's the only thing holding my sanity together. Um, but the truth of the matter is life always changes. And I try to look at it now as opportunity because I can't, no one's going to be able to sit anywhere for any length of time. You're just not, it's just not in the cards for us as humans. So I try to look at change now as more opportunity than threat. Maybe that's the best way to look at it. Oh, I love that opportunity, opportunity versus threat. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way to look at it. I like that. Yeah. I mean, I think all of us, you know, like I said, you finally feel like you, you know what happens. I mean, you're still in the midst of it with your crew. Like you got this schedule and then all of a sudden something comes and changes it and you're like, ah, <laughs> you just kind of lose your mind. Um, but when it happens to us on a larger scale, um, until you get through the terror and the pain and, and all and the unknown of it, it, it is a threat. Um, but within all of that still lies opportunity. And again, you have to be gentle with yourself to get through it and to heal, but look for the opportunities in those changes because I sure as heck didn't expect to be, you know, writing these books and like I said, motivational speaker and workshops and all that, that wasn't part of my plan, but um, there was, there was opportunity to serve in there. And I think it's important to find it. You need to find a purpose in the horror Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's to serve others, like you said. And, you know, I've heard you and Kristen both speak and I've heard you speak together. And when you were talking about the brilliant brilliancy of resilience and, and finding your brilliance, I, that is innate. We all have gifts that we've been given that we need to be using. And it's, it's a matter of finding those and then turning them around to serve others. And ultimately through doing that, we're serving ourselves too. Oh my gosh. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the, I think the, the astonishing thing is, um, and Kristen and I talk about this a lot. We have these gifts that we feel like we're supposed to use in a certain way, in a certain traditionally prescribed way that, that fits into a mold. For example, Kristen and I both share a background of education. Both of our degrees were as teachers, mm-hmm. but life didn't quite 
work out that way where we had these long, long careers as traditional teachers. But we both have come to the conclusion that what we do now is we teach. Mm -hmm. We just teach in a different kind of a classroom. We teach not English or science or math. We teach about, about life skills and about uncovering resilience and about optimism and change and all of those kinds of things. So, you know, I think you have these skills within you and a skill is a skill is a skill. So if it's your brilliance, there is a way for you to use it, even if it's not in the traditional way that you had planned for or hoped for. Find a way to share that skill and that brilliance because that's what God wants you to do. That's your gift to the world. Mm -hmm. So figure out how to get it out there and the yeah. world will thank you for it. Yeah. And it could be, you know, if you're, if you're working full time and you think, oh, I don't have time to do anything with this talent, you do. You just have to use that or make the priority to, to pull it together. And now we live in such a side gig economy mm -hmm. that, you know, you, you can obviously monetize it if you want to, but you don't have to monetize it either. There, there are so many avenues to volunteer. And I think that speaks volumes when you have a gift, you may be working in the corporate world. You may be an entrepreneur, you may be limited in your, in your time, but when you have a gift it needs to come out. It needs to be used and you're going to feel so much better just for having done it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we all have to eat, you know, we all have to have a roof over our heads and, you know, in a perfect world, we'd all be able to use our gifts to, to bring money in to pay for that, but that doesn't always happen. However, that doesn't mean that the skills that you have, for example, I keep thinking her name just kept popping up to me when, when we, you were talking about this. Um, my friend Lynn Kelleher, and you met her, I know, she is a realtor by profession. She is also part of the skill of being a realtor is being able to relate to people and going out and connecting people and, you know, making those matches. One of the things that she is passionate about that does not make her any money that uses those skills is her organization, 100 Women Who Care. So she started this, this branch of this charitable organization where four times a year she brings women together. Um, we pick out of three charities that are all located in Bucks County and everybody gives $100. So she's up to like 185 people. So in one night, one charity can get over $18,000 for their cause. So it's a perfect example of someone who, she is a realtor by profession, but her passion is reaching out to people and connecting people and serving. And she found a way to do that. And it also feeds, I mean, it also feeds her business, of course. I mean, if I'm selling my house, I'm going to Lynn because mm -hmm. she's so warm and wonderful. So you can find ways to use your passion in your life. It may not bring you money, but it will bring you something it will bring you something and more important, it will, it will gift other people with something. Mm -hmm. And, and yeah. that's, it's just so important. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big believer in that. I really think it's important and the world needs you, the world needs your skills. So don't be afraid to admit that you have these gifts and these skills tap into them because it's going to fuel you, but it's also going to then serve the community that you're in or the world as a whole. Yeah. And I would also say, you know, if you don't know where to start, something like that is a perfect thing. Get out and join some kind of an organization that speaks to you mm -hmm. because you will meet like-minded people there who will in some way 
serve to help move you and your mission forward through their connections. It's just, it's just going to happen. I mean, you and I have seen this over and over and over again, that when you get around like-minded people, this person will put you in touch with that person who knows that person who can, you know, it's, it, it's just, you have to find people that speak to your value system and speak to what's important to you. And you will find that those are the people who will lift you up. And then we all, you know, we all rise when we do that. Yeah, I love that. That's so important. Okay, so this kind of brings us full circle. So one of your gifts is the ability to write and write very, very well. And you. you are now working on a new endeavor in addition to being a writer and a motivational speaker and a grandma and a mom and everything else that you do. You are now writing blog posts for Dream Life Recovery, and you are involved with the company that David is working for. So I would love... It's it's wild because technically he's my boss. But we all know that really you're always going to be his boss. Yeah. He tells me I should call him (laughs) Mr. Bontempo and I won't even tell you how I respond to that because this is a, this is a G or PG rated show. So we won't go there. But, um, I, I, I have been active in the recovery community because it's very close to my heart and he works for a recovery facility and it called dream life recovery. Um, and one of the things that he and I have talked about is the importance of involving family in, in care. So one of the things that, and I applaud this company for doing this, one of the things Dream Life is really trying to do is create that world where family members have a place to go and a place to ask questions and get information because, you know, there's, there's, again, you're completely out of your comfort zone. You're out of your realm of knowledge. You have no idea. And this is a world that um, because of its clinical nature, there's a lot of stuff there that you're not going to understand. There's terminology. There's, there's just, you know, questions about how do I behave? Like we were talking about before, when this kid comes home, what do I do? Mm -hmm. So they decided that it was important enough to them to do this, that they hired me to write for them. And I write pieces for them from the perspective of a parent. And we've also put together, we're putting together a series of videos that also speak to that. How do you, you know, as a parent, how do you navigate that, this? How do you negotiate it? Um, and in the videos, David and I, we were interviewed separately and we talk about, they ask both of us questions and they're either, they put us together in the videos or they're separate, but they're all about how to navigate this world that no one knows about. I mean, a kid who's an addict didn't wake up one day and say, I'm going to be an addict. Let me research this, you know, so they don't have knowledge either, but um, I'm so excited and really and truly grateful to them for giving me an opportunity to get this information out there. And because of their network, they can get it out. I can write about this myself, but because of their network and their place in that world, they can get this information out to more people. And I'm, I'm just beyond thrilled to be able to do it. Yeah. And I think it's really amazing that, you know, David didn't just recover and go on to have a successful life, but he, his success 
is really brought to him through helping other people. I mean, he is making a world of difference, bringing kids into recovery. Yeah, he, um, <laughs> again, dark humor here, but Dave and I will often say, if we had only known at the time that he was on a research field trip for his future career, we wouldn't have taken it all so badly. <laughs> but... <laughs> <laughs> but he has um, he has gotten into that field with great um, vigor and concern for really helping people get well, and he he quite literally has directed over the last however many years he's been into this. He's quite literally directed thousands of people to treatment. Um, and the thing that I love about what he does is because he's so well connected in that world. Um, you know, even if his facility can't help you or it's not a fit or whatever, he will guide people to the right place. He knows everyone in that world. So he will get people help. And that's the thing that makes me so proud of him. And on some measure makes me go, all right, God, it was really terrible, but okay, if this is what had to happen in order for, for him to be able to help people and for me to be able to, to offer some peace and some help to people, then okay, that's, we'll accept it and we'll move forward with that. Yeah. It's, um, it, we talked about it a little bit earlier, how we get, are given these experiences to go through ultimately so that we can help others. And David's the epitome of that. That's exactly yeah. what he's doing. He's using his experiences for the good of others. Yeah, he is. And as I said, I'm very proud of him. And I'm also appreciative of the organization as a whole for embracing the concept of let's, let's involve families here and let's serve as mm -hmm. a place of rest and information for them so that they can understand what's going on and get some guidance about how to move forward. Yeah, because it's 15 minutes at a time. And yeah. you need to eventually be able to move beyond 15 minutes. So here yes. are resources that help you be able to do that. Yeah. And it, it's funny because, I mean, this is a world that I haven't really, I, I mean, John and I both have, you know, his brother, his sister, my aunt, you know, we've had exposure to addicts, but not immediately where we were responsible for these people and getting them help and trying to navigate this new world. That was our parents' jobs, you know, mm -hmm. or their spouse's jobs, not our jobs. Um, but having witnessed it, you know, we, we saw firsthand what it did to the parents or like my mother with her sister. And it, it's heartbreaking. It is absolutely heartbreaking. And that the lack of control, the lack of knowledge, you don't know what to do. You, you, you do the very best you can, but you're kind of digging yourself out of a hole. And like you said, 15 minutes at a time, because you really can't go beyond that. And I think it's amazing how, and I know I've met someone that works with David as well, who is going to be a guest in the fall. And um, I'm super excited to be able to tell both sides of this story from your perspective as the parent, but then from her perspective as an addict, because and the one thing she said to me, and I think this is so important for people to understand, is that it isn't the parents' fault. Like she says, her parents are absolutely atypical of any drug addict's parents. And it's the same scenario with you and Dave. Like you, you know, you gave David a great life. You had, you know, a faith-based, faith-based family. You had an income. You, you know, there were no 
trials and tribulations to, to speak of that, you know, caused this and it just happens. And you, you have done a beautiful job of giving yourself the grace to move through it and then use it as a stepping stone to help other people. And I think you should be very proud of yourself for that. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I, I think it's more, I think it's more about not wanting anybody to feel the way I felt, mm-hmm. not wanting anybody to be so lost and confused and terrified. And, you know, it's, it's somewhat different than, than a, a t- it's an illness, but it's somewhat different from a typical illness from a family member, because of course there's a measure of fear and, and all of that there. But, but this is just, you know, you're also in this situation, you, you're hurt, your relationship has been destroyed. So that doesn't happen when we're dealing with someone who has a purely physical illness and we're on the front line. Of course, you're still terrified and all that, but there's an emotional component to this that um, is so challenging because you want them to get well, but you're so angry with them for what they've done to you and to your family and to your life. And through no fault of your own, you've suddenly become a different person who's thrust into this world that you have no knowledge of and no choice. So it's, it's a very different thing. Um, but again, I think information and telling people, you know, you're not alone. And, you know, if you're, if you're feeling like you almost hate this person, you don't hate the person, you hate what the drugs have done, but yeah. there is that very real grappling with those emotions. You, I just want people to know it's, it's okay. I understand. I've been there. Um, so it's, it's just important to me that, that other people don't feel the way I felt. Yeah. Well, it's a great resource. And can you tell the listeners, like, how can they learn more about Dream Life Recovery or even other recovery programs that, or the information, like, where are you blogging? Where can they find this information if they know someone or if they themselves are experiencing this? So Dream Life is dreamliferecovery.com on the internet. You can find them there. Um, and they have very graciously given me a, an entire page on their site, uh, a blog. So all of my content is there. I share it regularly, but if you're looking for older uh, pieces or I'm, I'm kind of doing this in the order of the journey somewhat. So if you want to kind of trace that from the very beginning, you can go to dreamliferecovery.com and there is a, a, a drop down for blogs and my, I have a page on there. So, and also on that page, they have vi- the videos that I was talking about too. So it's kind of a, you know, it's a storage place for everything that I'm doing with them. So you can find a lot of information about my take on it there, but more importantly, you know, just go to the website and you can find out how to reach out to them. And, um, you know, again, you reach out to David. He, you can find him on, it's Dave, he's David Bontempo. You can find him, you know, online on Facebook, on LinkedIn, Dave Bontempo, and, and reach out to him directly. And he can direct you to help, which is what you need if you're in that situation. Yeah. So I want to kind of circle back to Mary Frank because we're running out of time, but I think it it's really important that yes, you are an advocate now in the drug addiction world, but you're so much more than that too. And you have other books and you have other resources to offer people. And I would love for you to tell people where they can find you so they can learn more about you specifically as a person, as a speaker, a writer, a motivational speaker, and how you, um, or 
learn more about like your other offerings besides the 15 minute master, you have the women's book of dirty words, as well as not ready for granny panties. And they're all kind of stepping stones into how you took your life from phase one to phase two. Oh my gosh. Yeah, absolutely. And they really are a progression. Um, so I have a website, maryframbontempo.com and pretty much everything, that's the key to everything because the books are available there. I have a, um, a work with Mary Fran drop down that has all my keynotes and my, my speaking uh, topics. Um, you can find the TEDx videos are, are on there. Um, I was fortunate to be able to do two of those, which was a real thrill. Uh, so all of the programs that I offer, and they're offered in various formats, keynotes, um, seminars, workshops, whatever, they're all available there, as well as contact information. The books are available on Amazon. You can also get to that link through the website. Um, and um, Facebook and LinkedIn and, you know, all the ubiquitous social platforms that we're all on. It's Mary Fran Bontempo. Mary Fran, thank you so much for being here and sharing your story. Thank you. It was a pleasure. I mean, we're, we're dear friends and we, we get a chance to talk all the time, but this was a real gift to me. So thank you. It's my honor. And that's a wrap, friends. Thank you so much for listening today. I am grateful to have you here with me. If you enjoyed this episode and found the information helpful, will you please take a moment to subscribe and leave a rating and review? That would mean the world to me. It will also help others find the podcast. I really look forward to getting to know my listeners. Will you please connect with me on Instagram? You can find me at the Robin Graham. You can also find me on Facebook and LinkedIn as Robin Graham. And I invite you to join my private Facebook group, The Brand Marketing Insider. Please spread the word about the Second Phase podcast. Until next time, remember to smile.